0: Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast.
1: Hey, welcome to the Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm Pastor Nate, and each week we look at the sermon um, and talk about what the mentality was behind it, what the thought was behind it. Maybe even talk through some things that we didn't get a chance to share in our message. And I'm joined right now by uh, with Pastor Stephen and Pastor Andrew, and uh, uh, and we're going to talk through Sunday's messages. So it was Palm Sunday, and every location pastor preached live at their location, mm-hmm. and each of you preached a different message. And the only thing that really we had to move forward with was, Hey, it's Palm Sunday. And so take that text and, uh, and then you're free to move with it how you want. So pastor Andrew, tell us what you preached on. And then pastor Jeremy, uh, excuse me, pastor (laughs) Steven, tell me what you preached on. And then I will tell you what pastor Jeremy preached.
2: Yeah. So for me, I hit on the idea of uh, the unmet expectations. So, One of the things that fascinates me about this story is Jesus is entering into Jerusalem and thousands of people are worshiping and celebrating and kind of, and yelling out to him. And then within a couple of days, those same people are yelling for him to be crucified. Even his disciples aren't following him. And so for me, I was like, what led to that change and what I really, what I really talked about, and it's not the only thing, but what changed was all of a sudden the expectations they had were different than what they thought. And so they turned on him. And so, for us, we can do that. Uh, we can do that with ourselves when we're looking at God, and, and we we can place whatever our expectations. When He's the coming King, He's entering the city. He's supposed to be a conqueror. He's going to overthrow the Romans, and they're all on board when they can put their own vision of what the Messiah is. But as He begins to live it out, they get angry when it doesn't meet what they had expected, and so then. Um, and so then Jesus is all of a sudden saying like, no, this is what I'm going to do. This is how it's going to be. And they don't like that anymore. So they turn on him. And for us, when the spirit convicts us, and as we get better at listening to God's voice, we can oftentimes derail ourselves because we're like, no, now that I can hear you clearly, I'm not sure I like the plan or I'm not sure I like this direction. So I'm going to go my own way and we quickly can turn into that.
0: So that's kind of the idea that
2: I hit on.
1: That's cool. I like that. Pastor, Stephen, give us a recap of your sermon.
0: Yeah, so the whole theme of what I preach was, uh, uh, you know, as Jesus entering to Jerusalem and people are talking about how accepting Him as a Messiah and, uh, you know, praising Him, Hosanna to the highest King and stuff like that. Even in those things, Deep down in, in his heart, Jesus' heart, he knew that he was entering to the hour of crucifixion, like, you know, that week. So, uh, even in those celebrations, he knew in his heart he was stepping into the suffering. So, right. I kind of touched on that. Uh, that, that really caught my attention, that even in the midst of celebration, in his heart, he was suffering. He was enduring that suffering.
1: Yeah. So there's a big parade for him, but he knows the 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 loneliness he'll feel just a few days later as right. he hangs alone on that cross, disconnected from the people he's dying for, disconnected from the heaven from his heavenly father, who he's been one with right. in the Trinity, which is hard for us to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He still went forward for that. Yeah. Pastor Jeremy preached a similar thing to you Jeremy talked about expectations that we have on Jesus that that we you know that it can feel like maybe he doesn't meet and they were expecting him as king to do one thing and he did something different and um just talked about us letting Jesus rule and choose and take the path that he chooses and not trying to force him into our own path so talk to me, let's talk let's talk through the message. So let's talk through um Andrew yours for a second. Yep. And you talked about people being disappointed with Jesus. So has that been anything you've ever felt like he you thought he was gonna do one thing and maybe you're hoping he'd do one thing, he did something different and
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely been moments for me of you know, of disappointment or even not, or even thinking like, oh, obviously God's going to operate this way. I think that's the one that I tend to bring in with this expectation a little bit more. Um, it can happen in my job where I'm like, oh, of course, like we're here. God wants to save New England, so he's going to blow up my location in a matter of weeks and we'll be 500. Like that mentality, because like, right. of course God wants us. And it's the same thing. You're looking at Jesus he's coming in. It's like, of course he wants to save... Jerusalem. He even says, he, he's he's crying over the city saying like, I wish you understood what would bring you peace. How And before that, there's verses where he's like, i would long to gather you up in my arms and hold you to my chest, Jerusalem. And he's crying over the city. And it's like, yeah, of course he wants to come in. He sees the Romans and he is disgusted by them. So he's going to overthrow them. And that mentality, it's so mm. easy to misconstrue because that's what's scary is all the people who are worshiping and celebrating, they do understand that he's there to be king. They get it. It's when he actually is king that they actually dislike it because they don't like the type of king he's come to be. Right, And so that's where I end up getting where I'm like, of course God wants to do this thing. And it might be true. God does have a heart to save people. God does have a heart for me as a person. But mm-hmm. when he starts to do it in a way I disagree with or I it looks different than I thought it was, that's where I find myself on the other side where... It's not that I stop, maybe, you know, I might not go as the extreme as I don't follow him, but really I'm I'm not following him anymore because I'm disappointed. And I'm looking at him and saying, you know, the way you want to rule as king, I don't like it. I don't agree with it. And, you know, and I can be guilty of that. So I think that's definitely a challenge I've, I've faced. And um, one of the things I hit on with the idea of Hosanna, um, Hosanna only appears six times in the Bible total. So you get it once in the Psalms, which is what they're kind of quoting. Yeah. But then it only appears, he's only called Hosanna on his way into the city. It doesn't happen any other time in the New Testament. And so that was fascinating to me. I was like, why is that? And so I started looking at like what Hosanna means, and it means God save us now. And what I said was, Hosanna, it was a, it was a demand. They were looking at him. They're like, we've been under the Roman government for, at this point, a hundred years. They've been oppressing us. They've been mistreating us. They've been killing our people. We've been at war. We've had revolts. And they're looking at Jesus coming as the next, you know, the next David, the next judge, the next one to to throw off the shackles of this government. And they yell this demand at him, God save us now. God, do this thing. Do what we say, what we want. Come take over this city and come become the new king and get rid of these Romans. And they're heaping this expectation on him as he comes into the city on the journey. And so that was one of the things I kind of talked through was... We can't put that demand, God save us now, do it the way we want, but instead God do what you want and let your will come and be lived out. Yeah. I think, I think
1: when we're facing problems, then we, yeah, we, we start demanding Mm -hmm. or expecting God to answer it a different, to answer it a certain way. Yeah. According to our expectation. No, for those who aren't familiar with the Bible, you've got the Jewish people who have been been swallowed up by the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. and now the Roman Empire is leading them. So, politically, there's a whole lot going on. Yep. They are now, you know, think about if Ukraine is now under Russian rule, uh, that's what happened with Israel they were they were taken under they're now ruled by a conquering nation
2: the even a like a puppet government is essentially what's up Herod their king is a jewish person but he's loyal to the romans he's a yeah. puppet of he's just
1: yeah i'll oppress my own race mm-hmm. my own ethnicity in order to make a lot of money absolutely yep. then they get tax collectors which is why they're so hated because they're jewish people who say hey i'm making a lot of money i'm going to i'll oppress my own ethnicity in order for my own wealth. So, Matthew, who was a disciple, that's why he was so hated, because it was a Ukrainian working for Putin and yeah. taxing the Ukrainians to death. Mm-hmm. So, that's going on. Then, within the Jewish people, you've got the religious oppression that they're facing. So, every encounter that Jesus has with a Pharisee or a Sadducee in the religious system, um... The average Jewish per- person is being oppressed by them as well. So mm-hmm. think about when Jesus shows up and he overturns and flips the tables in the temple. What was that? It was the religious system oppressing the average Jewish person. Oh, you you have to um, you have to sacrifice. So we're going to overcharge you, mm-hmm. and the temple became Six Flags. <laughs> You know, and so, oh, a bottle of water, that'll be $8. Mm -hmm. And you don't have a choice to not buy a bottle of water because, you know, if the Bible says you must drink Aquafina, then like, oh, actually, prices just went up. It's $24 now for a bottle of water. And so, that's why
2: Jesus is freaking out. Yeah, you can imagine being there and going, and maybe you even brought your own animal, but it's like at the gate, they're like, oh, no outside drinks allowed, and they... Bring you in, and are like, well, you need to sacrifice, but you're not and allowed I... to bring your own stuff in. So, <laughs> yeah, buy ours. That you mentality. Wanna, all you want to do is love God. Yeah, and every religious
1: system is set up against you. Mm. Every political system is set up against you. Yeah, and so you're longing. You hear about Jesus. Just imagine, you hear about Jesus. Put in the Ukrainian system again. Like, hey, the Messiah's coming. He's coming. Everything's going to change. And and you're like, well, man, he's coming in. He's gonna overthrow Putin. He's gonna overthrow Russia. He's gonna overthrow this corrupt religious system. Mm. Here we go. My heart is ready. My heart is set. It's been this way for a long time. And so, there's some demanding, but there's a whole lot of could this really actually change? And then five days later, people's hopes and dreams are just shattered. Mm. Because he was just wiped out. And the po- the religious system was the one who wiped him out. Because the Roman political party, like, they didn't like that he called him king, but they ultimately didn't care. Yeah. It was just like, Jewish people, you know, Jew- we're giving you a chance to rule your city. You better do something about it. Allow there to be no revolts, mm-hmm. or we're going to take away, we're going to stop letting you worship how
2: you want and make you worship how we tell you to. Yep. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah, and so it's it's yeah, and so it's that climate that Jesus is entering the city in. And I just couldn't imagine like the weight of expectation that comes with that. And the things he did. And Jesus throughout his teaching, his disciples didn't get what he was doing because one of the verses I read even before that was in uh in Matthew a little bit before this, Jesus begins to tell his disciples that it's necessary for him to go to Jerusalem, and then Peter reacts with no, you can't do that. And Jesus is like, get behind me, statement, Like, he's even telling his disciples, like, I'm going to die. Like, you get it? And his disciples are reacting with negativity. One of his followers is Simon the Zealot. And the Zealots were a group of people who were, um, their goal was the overthrow of the Roman government. They were a right. violent, violent coalition hmm. of Jewish people. And so he's following Jesus. You got to think, like, he's following him with that mentality. Like, you're going to take over we're just gonna mm-hmm. wait. You're gonna be the conquering king. We know it. We know it. Yeah, I've and, trained my uh, whole life to mm-hmm. find the
1: person who's gonna take over.
2: Yeah, I found him. Yeah,
1: and so let's go.
2: I'm here. I'm ready to fight. Mm-hmm. And so then, when you're met with that, and we, and I think we unintentionally do it. We read into God our political climate, our political culture, mm-hmm. our religious systems, and when we're confronted with who He really is, we don't necessarily react well. Mm. And we react with this, 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 I didn't, I didn't sign up for this, you know, right. Simon the Zealot's like, I didn't sign up for you to die. I signed up for us to kill the Romans, mm. you know, even Peter, you know, Peter comes immediately after he pulls his sword out, chops off the ear of a guard. And Jesus is like, don't you get it? Like, stop. Like I could at a moment have 12 legions of angle angels. I could be that conquering King that you want. but That's not why I'm here. And so Jesus came to deal with the problem, not a symptom. Let me just add this in.
1: At the Last Supper, Jesus told him to have swords. It was yeah. like four hours before he told him, do you have swords? We have two. Okay, good. And then they used the swords four hours later, and he's like, no, enough of this. And he healed the guy's ears like, Jesus, I really have no idea what you want me to do right now. That's always been perplexing to me. Like, why did you just tell them to have swords and then tell... Like, I would have been like, Jesus, I'm denying you, Jesus. I know I told you I wasn't going to, but I'm done with it.
0: I kind of hit uh, kind of similar points, but yeah. in a different way. Uh, like, in the, in the eye of suffering. So, like, when we suffer, we don't see God in our sufferings. Mm. Like, we, it's so hard for us to think that God is present in our sufferings. Because, you know, it's just because of our society, our culture, the way we live, it's always, yeah, you know, point to God because... Your suffering. If
2: you know. I hurt something must be wrong. I'm doing something wrong. Yeah, yeah.
0: And you know, and I've heard this. Oh, I'm I'm going through this because, because uh like I sinned. Is that is that why I go through this? Like it's like a God's real God's judging
1: me. God's condemning me. God hates me.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really uh you know, thinking through it. So I shared this testimony uh yesterday at the church, like uh like almost losing my wife almost losing my baby uh you know almost getting kicked out from this country uh you know at that point even me being fallen in christ for a long time uh, at that pain and suffering it was hard for me to like see god in that mm. but you know last last month we thought of sharing these testimonies and, you know in a series and put it out and we did that for Rinku, uh, and on YouTube, not knowing the outcome, not knowing anything, we just said, "Hey, God, you gave us this testimony, so we just we're just going to share it," and not even, not even, you know, it it didn't take much time. Like our Hindu friends, not non Christians, Muslims, you know, people texting us, hey. Your testimony is so impacting our in our lives. We want to know who this Jesus is. Mm. Can, Can you we share? talk
1: about that for a moment,
0: Stephen, because
1: I would say the average New Hampshire American does not is not friends with a Muslim or a Hindu. Mm. Maybe Buddhist because you get white people pretending they're Buddhist. <laughs> All right. So I I feel like I've known and I, I've known, I, ha- and I gr- in my middle school, there was a guy who was Buddhist. He was from Cambodia. They, they fled to the United States during the genocide. Mm. So that is a little bit more common. But Muslim, I don't recall in the first 35 years of my life ever meeting a Muslim mm. in New Hampshire or a Hindu in New Hampshire. So just talk through that. Teach us a little bit how... Do how should we interact with um with another yeah, so, religion
0: So, So for us, like even if we've been practicing, you know, we've been uh trying new things, like not always like everything doesn't work at the same pace with different people. So you might be like you both might be Hindus, but You might be uh, thinking different and doing something different. So what I'm implementing to you won't work for him. So like it's, you know, trying new things. So like as as I said, testimony, we never thought, we never imagined like Muslims and Hindus would text us. That was not even in our picture. We thought, hey, why not? We just have this resource like YouTube. We just... And I don't have many followers either on YouTube. So he was like, we'll just put it out. You know, God gave us this testimony. So why not, right? So we just put it out. And with our surprise, like they started texting. And so then it was an initial conversation for us. Hey, they're asking us, who is this? Like, what is this? Can you talk more? So that was an evangelism tool for us. Now we're like... Now we have their contact info, like we text each other and, you know, but again, it's all relationship. So I never shoved the gospel to them, but it it was just our testimony that played the gospel to them.
1: So if, you know, because of, um, just because of the, always the changing culture, it is much more likely that our new neighbor could be Muslim or Hindu than at any other time, probably in New Hampshire history. So, and it is pretty probable. Your kids are going to school likely with someone who's growing up in the Hindu faith and Muslim faith. Right. If I find out my new neighbor is Muslim or Hindu or even Buddhist, um,
0: what, what should I do? So, uh, I would start with building that relationship first because, uh, as we traveled and encountered people, not non-Christians, they always want that genuine relationship first. So, like, our friends, like even Ringu, she has people who's, who doesn't even believe God, you know, like what we believe, but they're her f- best friends. Like, so they have Ringu as their best friends. Like, I have Muslim friends that consider me as their best friend it's always relationship. So they
1: don't it's not they don't just automatically hate you because you're a
0: Christian. No. So because I like we made that connection, we made that right. open hand like, "Hey, I won't I won't say anything about your religion or you don't have to talk about my God or our God, but if you have questions, you ask me." And let me say this, all right? So it's not like the movies,
1: yeah. all right, where they just are like bloodthirsty against Christians. But at the same time, for us to remember they're watching the same movies so they think you hate them because you're a christian and so when you offer that olive branch as a symbol of peace right that's a biblical symbol of peace when you when you treat them as a kind neighbor they think one because you're if you're white you're white you're american you're christian that you hate their guts and when you don't all of a sudden now the holy spirit has absolutely been able to
0: infiltrate their life right like especially what you said pastor nay like if you come to kuwait or middle east any anywhere like they treat white people like we don't want to do anything with you Mm. because because of the media the culture so like you know it's just big no i don't want to hear about anything but you know you know caring for them showing that love is the first step again relationship hey we are not here to bombard you with anything nothing religious can be hang out so everything like even even the people that we are talking and things like that is just hey you don't have to talk about jesus we don't have to talk about anything but let's talk about you know life so that was our initial conversation hey somebody texted us hindu person texted us and say hey we want to we i was impacted by your testimony can you share more? I'm going through the same thing. So there's nothing God in it. But even in that, we find nugget moments where we say, hey, we could only do this because we believed in this. So they were like, what? Like, all right, can you talk us through that more? So it's small things, but you know we are prompting them to talk to us again, ask right. questions. So again, it's a relationship. And one thing I would say is that bold step to, do it, right. You know that's the initial thing. You don't. You can have hundred testimonies with you, but if you don't take that initial step, if we didn't take that step, we wouldn't even know that they were waiting for this. You know, like, right. How would you know? So I would say this: if you have testimonies that God has done, share it. Media is the best option. You don't need anything. You just need a iPhone right. or a phone. Just do it because maybe. Maybe people are waiting to hear that from you and get life changed. Awesome.
2: Anything you add on that, Andrew? Yeah, just talk me through. So, yeah, talk me through, kind of give us a little bit of insight culturally what it's like to, because honestly, for us, we don't experience what it's like to live in a multi-religious culture, right? So
1: it's either Christian dominant or Agno right, right like Dang. agnostic atheist dominant. So yes. how did, was it growing up as a Christian when you were the Christian minority, and another religion probably was Muslim or Hindu the primary in Kuwait. Kuwait was Muslims. Muslims. So growing up as a, you know, as a Christian amongst mosques and daily prayer and
0: yeah, so it was again. It I. God privilege to be born in a Christian family. So it was all like right there in front of me. But early morning, like Muslims pray like five times. So like... Over the bullhorn. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah pretty much. So waking up, we woke up uh, hearing the prayers that they did. So they start like 4.30 or something like that. Then it just goes during the day. But, you know, more than that, like even my friends... I grew up, they were all Muslims and very rare people that I had Christian friends. And again, Christians mean like Catholics or like not right. my own belief, you know? So uh, it was different, but they never, uh, like even me, like as I said, we had a relationship, uh, but it was not like, hey, you do your stuff, you, you're you like, uh, you know, your God is different, you know, that we never brought that god factor into our friendship and relationship but yeah like we couldn't like my dad was a pastor like he pastored underground churches so like it was not easy you know like for us to go out there and you know share about god and share about jesus and stuff like that but yes i did um we often get booed or like, yeah, blah, 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 you know, like right. made fun of, you know, but, you know, we just didn't care, it, you know, I'm that guy, like, I don't care, like, you right. make fun of me, like, I I even got that from, like, living in America, like, all right, oh, you're that person, all right, your accent is, yeah, you know, you're funny, Your your accent is funny, like, we don't understand you, all right, I don't care, you know, right. like, you know, so... Maybe, maybe growing in that environment made my heart that hard or like, I don't care mentality that, you know, it just, I grew up in that. So, um, so yeah, pretty much it mm-hmm. It was just, I would say it was just built in naturally. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for me, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. <laughs> that definitely makes sense.
2: Yeah. I feel like for, so, I don't know, coming from a predominantly, you know, Christian background and, and culture, one of the things that you talk about, you're like, oh yeah, I have best friends who don't even, don't even, you know, we we, we might have different beliefs and stuff like that. Um, there is in American Christian culture, like, an almost like don't do that mentality like you shouldn't be that close to people who don't have the same belief system as you mm. and like push them away keep them at arm's distance like that mentality so it's interesting to hear you talk about it and be like oh no that's just part of the way i had to grow up cuz i didn't have a choice right. and so the challenging christian culture
1: is you become christian long enough you don't even know someone who's not a believer yeah is bad news <laughs> it's just that we're completely we've completely taken ourselves out of the mission of God mm. because we're doing church we're not being the church mm. and it's a it's a struggle and a and a something you have to fight against
0: yeah and you know personally we talked about it uh, you know often we talk like that's my heart like I want to take a group of people To go missions with to Middle East to India because, like it's, you know, it's completely different than what we see here. It's completely different the culture, the the persecution and this pain and the suffering that they endure for being a Christian. Like Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, they get stripped out naked and walk in the streets, pastors humiliated we don't we don't see that here but it's like a common thing in india mm. like they just bibles burn churches like you never know when your church is going to get burned it can be like sunday like i know pastors personal pastors like w- one sunday they were worshiping within seconds people came in hindus came in trashed everything burned the church you know so all that we don't see that right. you know but there's a whole another suffering and pain that people endure so it's my heart to take the teams from here hey there's a whole different whole different thing that people endure in other parts of the world that we don't but we are blessed mm-hmm. to so you're not-
1: following you're following jesus you're under i'm not saying this about kuwait or india but you're following jesus imagine you're under a dictatorship you're being oppressed by other religions, and then you hear, like, hey, Jesus is here. Mm. It's the second coming. Or, you know, just put your, imagine this in the first century context. Hey, Jesus is here. The Messiah is here. He's come. Mm. You're going to follow him. He comes into your town, and you think, all right, this is it. He's going to take out the Hindus. All right, this is it. He's going to take out this dictatorship. He does none of that. He's dead instead a week later. How would you feel? Like, oh my word, like, why am I even doing this? the one I put all my hope in, couldn't do anything. Mm. And then we come to Easter where he has risen again. Mm. And I always think about his ascension. The crowd was 500. It wasn't 5,000. And I think a lot of people are like, nah, I already trusted him once. I'm not going to trust him again. <laughs> <No>. you know, <laughs> or, or maybe he was just very strategic about he just didn't even talk to more than the 500. Mm-hmm. Um. But, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've got a different plan. I've got a different plan. Will you trust me with a different plan?
0: Yeah. So one of my points where there, there's a revelation that comes through the suffering. Mm-hmm. There's a revelation that comes of Jesus Christ when we go through, uh, pain and suffering, like the, thief on the cross. He had some transformation that happened when he's at the cross mm-hmm. in that pain and he is asking god jesus like hey can you forgive me or you know and he's replying you will be in paradise with me yeah. you know lived all his life as a criminal but there was a transformation that happened in that pain that revelation that hit him um, uh, same thing easter you know yeah. big revelation even death could not him in that tomb, he was resurrection.
1: Um, I want to talk about the crowd. If you guys are good to yeah. do that for a little bit, mm-hmm. so um, the uh, you get the crowd shouting Hosanna, and then you get the crowd shouting Crucify Him. Mm. Um, I've I've definitely heard a lot of you know they all change their minds and. They got sick of them and how quickly they turned. Kind of the one thing that I've always thought, and I don't have any basis for it, but that um, maybe it wasn't the same crowd. Mm-hmm. So Jerusalem was maybe half a million people, 600,000 people. And then it, during the time of year, during this festival, I mean, it's jam-packed. So it could be, it could be a million people there. And so you've got a huge crowd showing up. And then five days later, you've got the crowd, the religious crowd, the Jewishly. You got this mob um, going crazy, crucify him. Kind of. I mean, I'd have to relook at it because these these are just thoughts I've had that I've never really investigated. But I wonder. I just wondered if the crowd shouting "crucify him" wasn't even that wasn't even as big of a crowd. Hmm. Um, you know, that was one of the reasons why they arrested him in the middle of the night because there still was on that Thursday night, Friday morning in the wee hours of the night, there still was a lot of people really excited about him. And so they arrest him illegally. They got him in Caius Viss's house They've got enough rabble-rousers to show up that they convinced Pontius Pilate that the whole Jewish people wanted them dead, and but it was only a handful of them. And I just think about in church culture and, mm. and, and as pastors, we're just I'll talk to you as pastors while everybody listens in, but it's the idea of the loud minority, mm-hmm. and so... As a pastor, you have a lot of people come to you and say, "A lot of people are talking. A lot of people aren't happy." Right. They said, mm-hmm. and you can convince a leader to be like to do what the sil- what the loud minority wants. Mm-hmm. And can take a church off mission when everybody else is excited and hopeful and they want to follow Jesus, and but the mission of Jesus is crucified sabotaged by the loud minority. Right. So anyway, I just want to talk through that. It's just kind of some rough thoughts, but
2: yeah, I was um I'm trying to remember where I was I was reading a study where they were talking about um, corporations and things like that and um corporate climate and how a corporation can be almost hijacked and weaponized and the bureaucracy used. And uh, I think the studies were saying um if you have a 10% vocal minority, they can hijack a corporation's culture. So if 10% Of the corporation are a vocal minority and have a agenda that they're trying to accomplish. They can hijack the rest because the rest of the corporation won't say anything. So I imagine there was a lot of Peters in the crowd who weren't there to yell crucify him, but silently watched what was happening. Right, and that
0: could too
1: scared to stand up for. The one that they followed. Yeah.
0: Right. And what, you
1: know, imagine how many people were in Jerusalem who had been healed by him.
0: Yeah.
2: Mm.
1: And you think, touched
2: and forgiven by him. And you think the sad thing is those people who were just watching only added to Pilate's fear that there was a rebellion because they're not participating but they're still adding to the number. But yeah, they look right. like a crowd. Yeah. Right. And so there's this They didn't
1: really, he, you know, it's it could have been 15 people screaming crucify him, but there's yeah. 5,000 people there and they think the 15 people are speaking on behalf of the 5,000. Yeah. Well, so let me say this, defend your pastors. <laughs> <laughs> right? You, yeah. Like you, if you love your church and you love your pastor to just get just a even a text of encouragement, mm. it just helps because that that enemy tactic is not any different, trying to get people, trying to get your pastor to quit, trying to get them to go off mission, trying to make it to be about politics. No. Uh, a lot of people are really upset with the new music. A lot of people are really upset with the ministry. A lot of people are really upset with that decision. And um, I think we've learned some tactics over the years. Maybe we shouldn't reveal them on the podcast, <laughs> but I don't think people change. But it's, oh, who who said it? Well, yep. I can't really say. Well, until you say, I can't listen. Yep. Right. Well, it was me and my wife, and our dog. Uh, someone I met in the chat room. <laughs> 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 oh, where did they live? I don't know. <clears throat> and so all of a sudden, it was like a false. It's a false threat. Yeah. And, but it doesn't always feel that way because if no. you're going through a crisis, then the enemy is always quick to, to bring.
2: Uh, someone there allowing minority to start screaming. and Yeah. Even, even knowing that, even knowing that when people act that way, it's still, it still feels when people are like there's a lot of people, you still, your insecurities pop up as a pastor where, when, even though I know it's you, uh, you know, or it's this one person and they have a problem when they come and they hit you with the, you know, a lot of people or, you know, I've been hearing and things like that. Like, you shut it down, but you still walk out of there with that insecurity. Like, what even if it's, it, well, you know, the enemy can get a good crowd. So
1: even if it's yeah. 50% of the crowd, we have to stay true to his word. Yeah. Now, let me flip the script on this because as bad as this example is, it's also kind of an encouragement for pot. You can you could flip it to be a positive example to say, hey, we may be. A handful of Christians in Kuwait, but we can make a difference if we're loud enough, shouting Jesus loud enough. Uh, we can bring people to Him. Um, you know, in uh, in our culture, abortion is prevalent, and and they're loud. But even right. in the minority, we can be loud and say, "Wait, this isn't right. This is an injustice. Right? This is this is murder." And that that minority being brave enough to speak can make other people courageous enough to say, "Uh, yeah, I believe that too. Yeah. And then it can go back to the Supreme Court after 40 years later, which it did. And we'll find out this summer if anything changes. Yeah. Right. Um, But so on the negative side of it, if you're the one Christian in your high school, if you can just give a testimony Mm. and be brave enough to share testimony. Yeah. Then you can make a difference,
2: and, and just having the courage to stand for godly principles—you'd be surprised how well people react to it. So I've definitely had it in meetings where you know you're leading a meeting, and you have the one person who's just pushing back, pushing back, and then finally you just say, "Hey, I just—I don't think that's right." Or you—you you, what you talked about it. Um, there's the proverb when it says, "When the fool is the re- rebuked, the many gain wisdom." Mm-hmm, and so in that right. moment, when it's finally there's that pushback. And then all of a sudden, afterwards, everyone comes. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad that that you know, and it, you know, and you, you've experienced. I've experienced it in a lot of different ministries where there's right. the one unhealthy fat person or factor that's just dictating mm. how bought in people are, how much they're willing. And then as soon as there's one ounce of pushback, everybody's like, "Oh, we've been waiting. We've been waiting right. for yeah. this. We've been wanting this." And they'll just, you know, move. Yeah. Down.
1: i'm thinking of a real life example from my kids i I feel like they told me something recently but it's not coming to mind but just the you know the cliche one person stood up and said something Mm -hmm. and everybody else all of a sudden jumped in line i don't remember but it's like the playground bully one person says, "No, you're not going to bully us anymore." And then every other kid in the playground is like, "Yeah, that's right." <laughs> and you end up with a bunch of karate kids beating up uh, Kramer. You know, it's that type of that that type of scene where, like, "Hey, we may be little, but we're many in number." <laughs> and so you're not going to bully us, Kramer anymore. Y- 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 mm. Have you ever seen that Seinfeld episode? It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a classic. Uh,
0: yeah, it's also like uh, learning to defend your faith as well. You know, a lot of lot of lot of people like you know talking, talking through uh, the Easter invites right from last two weeks, three weeks, and you know just asking people to just hand out the invite cards, even like they're like, no, it's fine, no, like take it and invite, like Mm -hmm. that's all you need to do. Even that is a big like, you know, so much for them that. You know, if you don't do it, who would do it? No. If you don't take the stand, if you don't take this nobody can take it for you, Mm. you know, like you have to take your own stand, you know, and uh and up (laughs) pushing through those people and saying, Hey, you're you know, like what you mentioned, Pastor Andrew, like you're removing that toxic people and rest the whole crowd now I can breathe. Yeah. Why didn't you breathe before? <laughs> like you know. The um,
1: so a, a couple of rough thoughts I'm trying to think through. I don't know if I can put them all together here. Um, we think about think about the people yelling, "Crucify him." Many people think the Christian response is to yell back, "No, crucify you!" Yeah, no. and that's how they're going to defend their faith. Oh, you're going to try to kill my Christ? I'm going to try to kill you! Mm. And instead of being willing to say, "Wait, no, he's my savior," I, he's my, and being willing to identify with him, and that means losing our own life. So instead of attacking back to say, "No, I stand with him," mm. I'm a, I'm a testament- I'm a testament of who he really is, right. and being willing to risk your own life. A quote that I read last week, I don't know who said it, I can't find it, but um, but many people are willing to die, many people are willing to kill for Christ, so mm. Peter is going to chop off the guys ear, and I'm going to kill someone for Christ. I'll be the person who will say, no, crucify you, but, but unwilling to die for Christ. And yeah. so a few hours later, and they say, hey, you're one of them, right? And he's like, I ain't one of them. I'm willing to kill people mm-hmm. for the cause of Christ, but I'm not willing to lay down my life yeah. for that's Christ.
0: So good. That's so and good.
1: That's like the big, hey, I'll, oh, they're, yeah, I'll, go to another, I'll, t- I'll give them a piece of my mind. Hey,
2: why don't you actually give him a hope of Jesus?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> Crickets.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you think about it, like there should have been uh, at least 14 crosses up there on Golgotha that night, you know, you take out Judas cause he betrayed him and you know, there's another eleven, and then yeah. there's the three. You know, there's the three. There should have been eleven crosses minimum up there, and there wasn't. You know, who are the only people dying with him? Well, it's Jesus and two thieves. Right. If we know. go
1: into if if there's a a terrorist group rising up, you take out the leader and you take out a bunch of sub leaders. Yeah. So then, hopefully, the whole movement dies. Very rarely do you just take out the one leader and yeah. everything disbands. So, you yes. know, part of the strategy, yeah, maybe it wasn't. Maybe they just knew how cowardly th- these other guys were, but mm-hmm. they took them for granted. But I bet you 45 days later, they wish they killed them all. <laughs> yeah, Because Peter preaches and that 120 people empowered by the Holy Spirit yeah. gets us to today when there's over 2 billion Christians around the world. Unbelievable, right?
2: Yeah, Yeah. and it it and and by the time it was over, it took every single one of them except for I think John died by persecution. So how radical a shift was that? You know, where it was unnecessary Mm. to kill them before because they were so they would scatter so easily, and the movement ended. That too. Okay, now we need to take out each and every one of them. You know, Mm. you know, and I think yeah, that's a good thought on the on it. And um, yeah, and I think the difference is it's all the, for me, when I read it, it's all the expectation. The Even his disciples thought he's going to be the conquering king. He's going to wear a golden crown. Right. He's going to be crowned with jewels <clears throat> and celebrated. And then when he's there with the crown of thorns, they're like, I have, I have no desire to be a part of this. Right. I'm done. Like, this isn't what I signed up for. And hmm. they checked out that easily. That was it. It was yeah. that... You know, like I said, when the vision's broad, everyone buys in as it gets more specific. And I think that's a challenge that we face as pastors. As our vision gets more specific, more people oppose it. And so as we say, like, this is what God's called us to do, and we give a clear, this is what it is, that's when, that's when there's opposition, you know?
1: Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, can't we have 15 different types of ministry for our kids? Mm-hmm. Let's do the Boy Scout type ministry for our boys, let's do the girl Girl Scout type ministry for our girls, let's do the the Bible memory ministry for the kids, let's do the um
2: mm. Let's have uh, multiple worship teams that all are a little bit different let's stylistically.
1: Do a, a dance ministry for the kids. Yeah. Let's do Awana for the kids as well. Let's do and and so right. we have 15 kids and 35 different ministries for those 15 kids. Yeah. Um yeah, worship style. Let's do a, a Sunday morning, let's do 10 songs on Sunday morning so we can hit one from every decade of the people in our <laughs> church who are alive. Yeah. And um, stylistically, why do we have to change? Why can't we keep it the way it looks now? Damn. Why, you know, uh, why do we have to spend money? Uh, you know, hopefully right. next year we can upgrade chair, or not upgrade, replace chairs because they're the ones in Dover are from nineteen ninety three. The ones in your location are newer, but they look older because they're <laughs> pink. <laughs> <laughs> you know, why do we have to spend money yeah. on that? Because all that communicates whether or not. Jesus is relevant, yeah so if i'm you know we had a nineteen year old get saved in Plymouth on Sunday if I'm nineteen years old and I come in and and I'm trying to investigate jesus if i if there's not someone telling me he changed my life right so if if you're being invited by someone who's got a strong testimony, you overlook stuff, right. but if I'm out of the blue, which happens all so often, feeling mm-hmm. God tugging at my heart. Mm-hmm. And then I show up somewhere and it's everything's just antique, right? I think it just communicates like I don't think I just don't think this is for me. No. Yeah. Right. You know, when I if I've if I'm like, you know what, I just wonder if um if I should be more into technology. And then I go and it's a bunch of computers from nineteen ninety-six. I'm like, nah. <laughs> I think I'm fine. I don't think yeah. I'm going to enter the world of technology. It just doesn't seem like it's for me. Yeah. As opposed to if I've never had technology and someone shows me a phone, oh, you can take pictures and you can text and you can check your, well, I guess I should probably mm, yeah. enter the technology, right? Because no. it's modern and it's relevant and it's, yeah. yeah. So anyways, we've got any, we, we Easter coming up, obviously a few days away uh, just an encouragement you're hearing, you'll hear this on Wednesday. It is not too late to invite people to church. I've, I heard whether, whether or not they'll come, but someone that I invited to church, I think it was eight years ago. The first time I invited them to the church, they're actually coming Sunday. They've mm. told a mutual friend they're coming on Sunday. They haven't told me that yet. <laughs> um, but eight years, they're gonna come in person for the first time. Oh. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I any mean, of you guys heard any other kind of stories like that from anybody in your location?
0: So, People personally, for the first time? Personally, uh, uh, no, first time. So, I've been walking around in Walmart and Market Basket just handing out invites like a crazy person just doing it. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've have a couple of families that told, Hey, I'm bringing my family that one don't know about Jesus, who Jesus has never been to church. And then uh, families that said, Hey, I'm bringing that they know about Jesus, but they have not been in church for a long time. So that's really good for us. Uh, yeah. know that they're they're making the move. Uh, Last week I shared this testimony, really powerful to me. Uh, This person was invited last year to an Easter service uh, by her uh, in-laws. First time uh, coming to a church and then now she's serving, she's plugged in in circles and she's all-in. And I... I heard this week her husband wants to volunteer as well. Oh, so awesome. I'm like, wow, that's insane to think. Like last year you didn't, you never had a yeah. church, hmm. but now like you're invited and you're inviting other people right now. And you're yeah. plugged in. Your husband wants to get plugged in. And I'm like, wow.
1: I remember the, So this cool story. Um, seven years ago, a lady is visiting, I think, her niece in Florida. The niece is a Christian, going to church, invites the lady to church with her. So she goes to church on Easter Sunday with her niece, comes to Christ, and then comes back to New Hampshire um, because she lives here. Shows up at Restoration Church the next Sunday. Mm -hmm. I meet her, and I said, hey, welcome to church. Have you been here before? No, it's my first time. Do you have any church background? I went to church last week with my niece, gave my life to Jesus in Florida, her name's Danita, she still goes to the Dover location. Wow. So even if you have friends vi- and family visiting from out of town, and in- just say, I'm going to church, you're welcome to come with me. Yeah. Too many people are just like, oh, I've got family in town, I can't come to church. No, you're missing out on He's opportunity. Yeah. Still go to church, invite them to go with you. And it might be a Danita story where they come to church, they get saved, they move back to wherever they live, Colorado right. or Texas or whatever, and they start now a relationship with Christ mm. and start serving and being a part of the church in their Beautiful. town. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty cool. Anything yeah. you want to... Yeah.
2: No, I've we, we got a couple of stories of um, people who are inviting friends, so um, I'm trying not to be too detailed, but one of our volunteers, she brought in a woman who has been out of church for... Like ten years was so Uh, hurt by the church and refuses to set foot in a church. And so she gave her a tour of the building when no one else was there for her first step. Like Uh, cool. To like walk in and be like, Wow, it's so different because she went to Milton A. G when it was before it was Restoration Church Mm. and has a lot of pain and walked in and was like, It's so different. Like, what is this? What is this? And like you said, it's communicating relevance and that. We're moving forward and that it's not, uh, right. you know, it's not that same oppressive religious system that it's felt like for years. And I don't know the whole story of what happened, but she walked in the building and walked around for the first time and been more open to it. Um, we've got some families who um we have, you know, there's always those people who like peripherally adjoin us at on certain days depending on if their family members are singing or on stage or getting a baby dedicated and we've got some of them who are coming that we're excited about and who have slowly been expressing more interest and like i think i might want to volunteer i think i might want to do this i think i want to do that and it's like they have almost no like they like i see them like twice a year but it's that little step of like yeah all right and so just every every time is an opportunity to be like cool like just a little bit more one more step like let's see you 12 times a year let's see and just trying right. to in, encourage that. And some of, some of those stories have been pretty cool to hear and to wait for and to be excited for. Wow. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. That's good stuff. Well, listen, we want to pray right now to end the podcast. We don't normally do this, but we <laughs> want to pray for the people you're inviting and the further people we've invited. And um, I want you to stop in the podcast and pray. Don't stop the podcast, but pray with <laughs> me right now. Like, don't just end it, because I'm about to pray. Keep your even eyes if open if you're driving. Yeah, even if please. we're, yeah, no, don't <laughs> don't bow your head and close your eyes. <laughs> um, yeah, and we will, um, even if you're listening to this after Easter for whatever reason, still stop and pray, because God still wants to use you to share his hope, and he died on that cross, he rose again, because... He has salvation for us and forgiveness for us. So we have a great opportunity to share that with others. So let's pray together. Jesus, we lift up everyone that we've invited, everyone who we're going to invite after we hear this podcast. And um, I just pray again that we wouldn't be discouraged if they don't come, but we know we're planting seeds and eight years from now might be the first time that they come in, but we're, but we're going to just keep, keep praying because now we're, we're trying to convert people, but because you've changed our life and you know, we know what you can do in other people's lives. Even the people who have it all together, you are better than that. Knowing you is better than anything. Being forgiven by you is the best thing we could ever experience. And I just pray, God, give us the courage to invite. Um, give us the opportunities to invite and um, God allow us to see the testimonies of our friends and our family and our neighbors and our casual acquaintances looking us in the eyes and saying, I gave my life to Jesus today and we would have the great joy of celebrating that with them. And we pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Any, Books to recommend? Any books on other religions or on inviting people to church? (laughs)
2: Quran. The (laughs) Quran. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. I'm trying to think. I don't have anything off the top of my head. Bill
1: Hybels wrote a book, Walk Across the Room. Mm. It's just trying to, it's not as complicated to share your faith as you want. Just walk across the room. Yeah. And talk with the person you see sitting over there, mm. and and that might be all it takes for God to change someone's life, is you just saw someone, you walked across the room to talk to them.
0: Mm. That's a good one.
1: Um, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, obviously, there's a bunch on defending your faith, studying other religions, but don't spend your whole life getting a black belt and never actually going to a competition, right? Never actually.
0: Yeah. You sit
1: in your whole room, karate chopping boards across, but at least make a YouTube video and show (laughs) the world what what you've learned.
2: Yeah. So many people think that they have to have like a level of knowledge. Like I always push back because I, as a pastor, get it all the time. Like, I just want to bring this person in because once they talk to you, then they'll get it. And it's like... Listen. No, yeah, it no, doesn't like work that way. It, it's not, you know, it's like they got, you know, uh, uh, once you once you talk, because you know, you know enough that once they talk to you, they'll you'll talk them into it. It's like no, like you're much more influential in their life than me. They don't yeah. need answers. They right. Need Jesus. They don't need to be
1: argued into heaven. Exactly. Right. They, you're not going to ask them the riddle. <laughs> if a per- if a plane crashes, how many survivors will be buried? <laughs> None. You don't bury survivors. Oh, my word. And all the dots click and so You're not going to riddle them. No. And trick them into heaven. No. they have got to hear your testimony and begin in their heart to say, could you, God, could you? Yeah. And th- that, that secret prayer that you don't know they're praying. Yeah. You do that. And then you pray for their hearts to be ho- heart, heart, uh, softened.
2: And that something will... You... God wants to use you to do it. Yeah, the greatest thing I ever heard was um they asked a bunch of atheists, what's the one thing that could convince you god like god exists? And they said, if I had an if he had an irrefutable experience encountering god. Right. And it's like, "Oh, like you mean what we have as Christians and have had every single one of us an irrefutable encounter with god? That's it. That was that's it's not any yeah. argument, it's not any logic. The one thing they said, you know, they're like, yeah, you know, if, if I had an, an irrefutable encounter with him, if he showed it, like, you know, the, but they'll use extreme things. Like, if I walked outside and he was up in the clouds and talked to me, I would think that he was real. And it's like, yeah, okay, cool. That's all it takes is you just got to hear his voice. I think we are uniquely equipped to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Mm. Gonna be good. I cannot wait. It
1: just, you know, every week is miracles. Right. Easter Sunday is a bunch of miracles, hmm. all cram packed. You get like a month and a half worth of miracles on one Sunday, <laughs> so it's always a lot of fun to be a part of. Share them with us, please. Email me Nate at RestorationChurch.cc. Facebook it, Testimony Tuesday. It. Let's go for it. No. Amen.